This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, November 17th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. At the Cato Institute's 35th Annual Monetary Conference, I sat down with Loretta Mester, the president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland, where we discussed workforce and other demographic trends and how those changes interact with monetary policy. You talked about demographics and how that is likely to affect the the U.S. economy. How closely do... Uh, monetary authorities need to monitor demographics. So as you know, the population is getting older um, and, and it's not growing as quickly. So my, my my thesis is that we should be monitoring it and sort of taking that into account when you think about the equilibrium interest rate, long-term growth rates of the economy, productivity growth. These demographic shifts can affect those. And of course, those are, are sort of fundamentals that monetary policymakers need to take into account when they're setting appropriate policy. So I think we should be thinking about these demographic changes and what the implications are. As you know, we've been lowering our estimates of our star, the so-called equilibrium interest rate. I think demographic um, figure into that. Demographics also figure into the labor force participation rate. Um, as we know, it's been trending down, and a large part of that is demographics. So what about monetary policy? How do demographics impact how we ought to be thinking? What are some of the key factors that we should be thinking about when it comes to uh, monetary policy uh, when we look at demographics? All right. So there's two things. One, it's the structural things that go into policymaking and also the cyclical aspect of it. So the structure of the economy is changing because of demographics and monetary policies have to take take that into account. U star, the natural rate of unemployment is lower partly because of demographics. R star may be lower partly because of demographics. The growth rate, underlying growth rate of the economy, potential growth rate may be lower because of demographics. And those all feed into our policy making. As you know, even monetary policy rules contain um, R star, Y star, uh, we need to know those um, components. The other way is cyclical, right? How people spend money, uh, you know, the decisions between investment and saving and consumption all depend on sort of where you are in the age distribution. So again, the business cycle can be affected by demographics. And finally, of course, the transmission mechanism of policy, monetary policy through the economy can be affected by demographics. Um, and that's through the traditional wealth effect versus income effect. Um, older people tend to hold more assets than younger people. Um, and so they're going to be, a, you know, policy is going to affect them through a wealth effect more than an income effect. Younger people um, may be credit constrained. They tend to be borrowers as opposed to creditors. And so, again, um, how the monetary trans changes in monetary policy transmit through the economy can be different with an older population from what it was when the population was younger. And so, again, I think we need to monitor that so that we know what an interest rate change will mean for our two goals of inflation and uh, 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 maximum employment. So with respect to uh, monetary authorities generally, you mentioned both India and China. Uh, you said that uh, according to some uh, trend analysis that India will overtake China in terms of population. Some of that's driven by uh, policy. So how does policy affect demographics affecting how you think about monetary policy? So I think ultimately how demographics play out are going to be dependent on the policies that um, economies put into place. Um, you know, 
different countries are undergoing the transition at different paces and are at different points in that transition. Um, countries like India are early on, they have growing population. Um, countries like China, the U.S., um, Japan, right, we're well along. In fact, Japan is the, is the farthest along with the slowest growing population and most aging population. So the interactions between the countries are going to matter. But even within the U.S., right, it seems clear that what we need to be focused on are policies that will increase our productivity growth, will make our labor force grow, for example, immigration policy, um, that will focus on edu continuing education that will enable people to stay in the workforce longer and be productive members of the workforce longer. And also on the fiscal side, how we confront um, our programs like Social Security and Medicare, which are going to be coming under increasing stress I was about as to the population ages. I was about to ask with respect to, uh, you know, we have social insurance programs, many countries do, and those affect demographics of the workforce. Yeah, exactly. And, it's, and there's complicated interactions. So, again, you know, we're going to have debt levels uh, or public debt levels to GDP levels that will go up. Um, it seems pretty clear at an unsustainable pace unless policy um, addresses those with some combination of, you know, reorganizing the programs, uh, you know, increasing taxes to pay for them. Um, but also focusing on productivity growth, which I think is kind of our, our, our going to be a very important thing in terms of getting potential growth rates up, allowing us to be able to handle and bring our fiscal situation back to a sustainable level. So when you talk about uh, workplace demographics and uh, or so say labor market demographics and uh, productivity growth, it seems like uh, immigration is a is a critical. Factor. Yeah. So, uh, to my mind, immigration is a critical factor. Our population growth um, is very dependent on net migration into the country. Um, obviously, there are proposals out there about how to have a sensible immigration policy. I think there's no question about it that we are going to be dependent on on immigration. And frankly, you know, getting people with um, the abilities and skills um, to become productive members of the U.S. workforce is is going to benefit everyone. So again, I, I we cannot be an isolated country. Uh, we need to be able to have immigrants come into this country in a sensible way, um, in order to have both productivity growth and workforce um, growth. And we mentioned how uh, you, you talked about a lot about how demographics uh, can affect what what ought to occur with monetary policy and how monetary policy can affect. Uh, demographics with respect to wealth and income and the effects on wealth and income, monetary policy can play a huge role in people's decisions about working, saving, investing, retiring, uh, or get it going going to school. Right. So, I mean, as a monetary policymaker, we, we, we set policy in order to achieve our goals over the longer run. Now, how to set that policy is going to be dependent on this distribution of population in terms of ages and then the impact on productivity growth and these underlying trends that are affected by demographics. At the end of the day, you know, our goal was to make sure that we've achieved price stability and maximum employment, and then the economy adjusts to those things. So again, we're not going to be targeting anything specifically, but I think we got to understand how the underlying changes in the structure of the economy including demographics, will affect how policy transmits throughout the economy to actually achieve our goals. So again, right, our, we're still focused on our goals, 
but we understand that how we set policy will affect those goals, achieving those goals in the long run. How would a change to the Fed's mandate, do you think, change how the Fed examines uh, demographics, or would it? You know, I honestly don't think it will, because even in countries that have just a purely price stability mandate, it's they don't do it in isolation from uh, the business cycle part that deals with employment and growth. So again, I'm not quite sure that we'd actually change how that would impact our um, ability to achieve them. There are times when the two goals seem to be in conflict, but majority of the time they're complementary goals. So I think in majority of cases, it would not change how we'd go about doing policy. How we'd communicate about our policy might very well change, but I'm not sure that the actual policy decisions would be affected that much. Are there any uh, changes or uh, fiscal policies that could make the job of the Fed a lot easier? Well, I think we're all hoping that productivity growth uh, could be increased, and I do believe there are things that fiscal policymakers can do about that. And just ensuring that we have um, a very uh, high-skilled workforce and that pe- that people can be productive members of the workforce going forward. I don't think technological change or globalization is going to go away, and we need to pre- be prepared for it. That would actually help monetary policymaker by making the growth rate of the economy higher, keeping us further away from the zero lower bound. What is the effect of inflation on uh, labor force participation? I, I don't think there's, I mean, if you're talking about Phillips curve effects, about sort of the relationship between unemployment rate um, and inflation, I mean, we know that the Phillips curve right now is very, very flat, meaning that, you know, the unemployment rate doesn't have that much influence or the unemployment gap doesn't have that much influence on the inflation rate. Whether high inflation rates mean people stay out of the work workforce or come into the workforce in terms of labor force participation, I don't think there's strong evidence one way or the other of that, at least at the inflation rates that we've been experiencing in the U.S. Loretta Mester is the president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>